Hello, and welcome to Doing Time, where humans talk about their experiences in a psych ward. Um, today, we are going to have a guest, but first, me and Matt are going to talk about some... I don't know. We just, I think it's important to talk about isolation yeah. right now. Because we're, Chicago's essentially, for all intents and purposes, going into its second lockdown. Oh, yeah. And. Well, I, we, we've already made up our minds about what's going to happen. Yeah, so. yeah, I, I, I am the mayor and yeah. the governor. So if anyone's listening to this. Similar this to. This is pre the yeah. news that are. Yeah, similar to Lori Lightfoot, I am a black lesbian. <laughs> And similar to J.B. Pritzker, I don't have a neck. So I... <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. But you're a little... You're a little... Yeah, you're a little... Yeah, I'm a little more, more liberal less, than But Pritzker. you're also a little, like... You know. Less weight. I... Yeah, it might skin. be slightly thinner. I think a little bit. But you I... Are, you know... But I did... No one uh, knows what happened to you in quarantine. They could... They yeah, could, no, got, I, I might weigh 298 pounds. Wow. We were... We ballparked that really... Super. Oh, God. I just oh. said 295 and you said 298. It's like the receipt earlier... Yeah. Oh, that's so funny. For those of you who don't live in Drew's house and weren't with us in that moment that I just uh, mentioned, uh, I made it. She said, oh, I need to find this receipt. I have to return something. And you're, and I said, because I want my $24.17. And she's like, it was twenty three sixty. It was the, literally like, almost the same. I number. was within a dollar. So and funny. Yeah. You know my budget. I... <laughs> Yeah, yeah, this is this is, this is a twenty bucks or less aisle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'd be like, is that my soft tanner never costs more than fifteen dollars? I mean, if um, you can't buy it at Walmart, do you need it? Yeah, right. Um, yeah, so we wanted to talk about isolation, which I think is super important. I, I mean, especially now. Um, but I think our whole entire purpose of talking about this before the podcast was to kind of mention how the isolation that I felt honestly was way worse before this. Mm -hmm. um, as far as like what, when my depression happened and my isolation, mm -hmm. I felt way worse than I do now, but that's also because I feel like I've battled depression in a sense that like it's, I'm never going to get back to that place. Yeah. But I just, Hope I think God. it's important to talk about that, that like you can still feel super uh, isolated while you're depressed. Mm -hmm. But I think it's a little different and what we wanted to talk about in the sense of forced isolation. Yeah. And then how that t ties into your. Yeah. Depression. Because I mean like when you are like, okay, I firmly, firmly believe that one of the few powers that like any of us actually have in life, because so much of your life's just like not up to you. Yeah. So much of your life is just not up to you. One of the few powers you really have is being decisive. And when you're depressed, you can make even less decisions. Oh, yeah. When you're depressed, well, everything everything's no. harder. Nothing's yes, yeah. Everything's so no. the fact that you can say no and shut people out, that is sort of like, that can be your achievement. That can be like, you know, that can be your thing that you like, you did that day. Right. As I told three people to fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> because sometimes yeah. you can't get out of bed. And so sometimes saying, I don't feel like it, no thanks to, to a couple text messages to people who can see you're in a dark place and are trying right. to do something for you before you get taken away in a straight jacket like Hannibal Lecter. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like when those people are trying, yeah. your version of I'm strong and powerful is just pushing them all away. Oh, yeah. 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 It's, it's self-imposed isolation. Well, it's, I want to show feel... you how strong I am mm -hmm. because I can't show you how vulnerable I am. Yeah. Which is, and that's, but that's like all it is. I mean, and so I, I was going to bring this up because we were talking about isolation. The only, so I never really forced myself to be isolated just because I was super high functioning. Um, but I know, like, I think that for me, the worst isolation I ever had was, so long story short, um, when I dove at Denver, they made me take like a medical leave and it was for depression and anxiety mm -hmm. and stuff. And so basically... 
I was in an eight-week program, like a group therapy program, but it was only once a week for like four hours, right? So I have a question about this because yeah. you said that you're t this was when you lived in Denver is the most yeah. isolated time in your life. Now, at this time, you like definitely, you had roommates. You lived with a couple other women, right? So I had, so no. So I okay. had um, one roommate who was a foreign exchange student and she got a boyfriend and left. So it was basically my room. So you were actually by yourself? Wait, no, that was... Okay. Yeah, no, I was actually by myself. Okay, because I it's I because now you have a roommate, so just to see you right. in that space, I'm just trying to see right. you. Right, and so yeah. wait, and so then after that, um, or during that eight week program, people went home for winter break, and they made me finish the program. So I was in Denver alone, like literally no students in the dorms besides athletes, and I didn't oh. like my teammates except for like one of them. So like all you got was maybe like shitty eye contact in a hallway. Yeah, but then. While I was going to the program, I also wasn't going to practice, so I didn't hang out with my teammates. Mm -hmm. So what did your days look like? That because that's no, like was, nobody. That's why I got an eating disorder because the only thing I could control and like make fun was like preparing meals at certain specific times. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I was like alone all day. So I'd be like, okay, let's make a lunch at twelve, and then a snack at two, and then a dinner at six, and mm -hmm. like I would eat the same things every day because I felt like. If I have this in some sort of structure, because mm -hmm. I need structure, then yeah. and but then it just got bad because I was losing weight and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. But like I and the the group therapy program was once a week. I was there alone for two weeks. Yes, yeah, so you had six days straight to just about, fester. And it was horrible, <laughs> like in my room alone for literally so long, dorm, but alone in the building. And so this was winter break, so it's cold in Colorado. There's in a lot dark. of snow. It's dark. So dark. Yeah, and night so, starts at what, 3.30 in the afternoon? Yeah, right, exactly, <laughs> dude. And so it, it was so depressing. And I remember going to my group therapy thing and I was like, this makes me feel worse because mm -hmm. the therapy program was at night and I'm like, I just like want to kill, like why yeah. am I, this is the only thing I'm here for? And the therapy program was at night? Yeah, oh, so great, so you could die on an icy road on your way to group therapy. That's an uplifting yeah, news article. Yeah, and go back home to be alone. It was horrible. And I'm like, what makes you guys think that staying here was, like you should have made me go home with see my family? Yeah. Which would have helped me and stuff. So anyway. Yeah, so your that, mom's cool. Yeah. <laughs> so that would have helped. But um, the thing that did get me through that, though, I did go on to my friend stayed also winter break. Mm -hmm. um, so I saw her two times. We went skiing together. Okay. So that was like that made my whole entire. But that was pretty much your only social interaction, your only friend in yeah. how many weeks? Like two weeks. It was like two times or three or four times we hung out in two weeks. But I think maybe yeah. I was there. A l I don't really remember the time. Like when you're. But you would have like three and four days straight where you would just be by yourself, yes, not exactly, talk to anybody. Exactly. Now, could you like? Did you have people that you were even talking to on the phone? Like, could you? Yeah. Could you like, talk to your mom for ten minutes and pretend like you were okay? Yeah, but I also like would be like, oh my god, I want to talk to my mom, and then she would call me and be like, I don't want to talk. Oh God, isn't that? But that's depression. It was so that's bad. literally depression in an interaction. Yeah. So that if you had to describe depression in a 10 second video, it's I should call my mom. The phone relates. It says mom. And you're like, ah, and then it's it over. It freaked me out because I was like, well, then I'm going to have to pretend like all this stuff's good and like all this stuff is working. And I also didn't in in a sense, of course, I love being in the center of attention in the sense of comedy. But in really? Life, <laughs> but in life, I, I don't in mm -hmm. the sense of like uh, in other areas. The, my stage is where I get that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On, but in life, I don't. Like you just have to be the most attractive one. And that's enough. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't know. That was a super hard time. Um, but I I think that, like, 
I mean, all of that like taught me stuff, but I think that that was definitely the most ice. What do you feel like you learned life. though? Since you said you, it was like a learnable, like a um, teaching experience by the end. I think what I learned from that was that. Um, you really like Chef Boyardee. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> trust me, I wish I was eating that. I was eating fucking healthy ass food because I had an eating disorder. But so, I, so basically. What, what I did learn from that, which I never, like, thought about what I learned from that, but I guess I'm just going to, whatever, it's now as you ask me it. I yeah. think I really learned um, how, that I should stand up for myself. Like, I should have, and in and, and depression, you don't, you don't have any self-worth, so it's not like if somebody said something to you, you're like, okay, that's my only option, yes. Because it's like, yeah. because it's like why would I stand up for myself? I don't like my life. I don't Anyways. have enough energy to have, like, agency. Or, like, a, a word. I used <laughs> yeah. to go mute when I was depressed, so I wouldn't talk. Mm-hmm. And so... For me, I think like, which is hard to believe. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. St. James is like, when are you going to be depressed again? Yeah. <laughs> when? Sign, sign me the fuck um, up. Yeah. And so, yeah. So for me, that was super, super difficult. Um, but what I did learn was that I should stand up for myself. I think I should have um, at least said, hey, do you guys, would you guys agree that I could still go home and see my family and I'll do therapy online or something like that and talk yeah. to my therapist? Like, I think I could, they could have had some leeway with me. I think we could have done this in a phone call? Since it's only once a week group therapy and everyone else is gone, so it's just me. Right. You think, mate? <laughs> yeah, it was just, it was it was very depressing. It was a yeah. bad decision. I think I learned I should stand up for myself, and I also think I learned how to cope. I, I'm here today. I mean, yeah. I didn't kill myself. I really, really, I, I mean, I could have. I thought mm-hmm. about it so many times. Oh, my God. The amount of wheat thins I ate. The amount of wheat thins. That's the OD. <laughs> uh, Drew, so, Drew Lauren dies of gluten overdose. <laughs> I, I mean, that is a Jewish headline. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. True Lauren dies. Oh, yeah, and also you drank them with milk, which caused you to explode like a Jewish yeah, car bomb. Yeah. Like, you cannot have gluten and lactose. All, all over the room. Gluten and lactose is a Jewish oh, car bomb. You heard it here f- first. Yeah. You really did. Um, gluten sounds like a Yiddish word. Gl- well, it sounds sort of like schnudel. Schnoodle? No, that was kugel. There you go. That's the dessert. That's what I thought you were talking about, but I was like, is there a schnoodle? No. Um, there's a schnitzel yeah. and there's the, a wiener. What's the most isolating time in your life? <laughs> um, that sounded so yeah. <laughs> So I think the time I felt most alone. Yeah. Sorry. I, <laughs> that's my beautiful cheerleading. In my, in my heart, I think we're all cheerleaders with bangs. Mm. And that's what she sounds like to me. Um, no, okay. So I think the most like isolated... Um, okay, this is gonna be real dark, but it's the truth, and we just gonna tell tell the truth because we're doing time. Um, so I think everybody, we should have a soundbite when Matt gets vulnerable. Yeah, because it, does, it doesn't happen. <laughs> it doesn't happen very often. I haven't had an honest moment since I saw Singing in the Rain. But um, uh, the, probably the most alone I ever felt in my life was around fourth, fifth, and sixth grade, because that was when um, my grandma who I lived with at the time, because uh, my biological mother really, really, really likes crack. Like, it is one of her favorite things. If you things. believe that anybody would love crack. Yeah, it's Jill it's Brown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wherever she is, she yeah. fucking loves it. Like, more than taking care of me. And so, so would she, could I ask a question? Yeah, yeah. Drug use, though? Because, like, my brother, like, drug of choice is heroin, yeah, but he, he does like, a few things before he does heroin. Mm-hmm, he's ever, like, mm-hmm, like going to, into a relapse. Mm-hmm. Like, did she, her drug of choice was crack, but, like, did she ever use meth if she couldn't have access to Um, crack? no, she really would never do meth. And I also never saw her with powder cocaine. I'm just very saying the often. Um, no, because to her, uh, crack wasn't an upper; it was a social drug. That's, was it made differently? 
like a while ago as far as like you know how sometimes well no 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 like i'm saying it functions like like an upper but she didn't do it to feel good she used it to be around people like yeah it was a social drug to her like the same way that people kind of like adderall where it's like super upper yeah 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 and that sort of but it's sort of it's like getting shocked like a battery from what i've never done it but like that's sort of what it looks like (laughs) it looks i saw someone on heroin today that had to pet my dog like what do i can i ask sorry yeah yeah when when a homeless guy no it's not homeless sorry i mean he could have mm-hmm. been i don't know yeah all of his teeth were out his head were nodding yeah. in seven different ways and he's like can i yeah. pet your dog his finger his hands were so dirty yeah and like i also like it's my dog like, yeah and I, I, I also i've seen my brother that that fucking yeah. dirty and that his teeth are also missing uh-huh. so i'm like i know what that looks like yeah. and i also don't want to be judgmental yeah but like what do you say to you can always like just say he's a service animal i'm sorry Oh, see, you always have like three word answers for like my anxiety for seven days. Uh huh. Yeah, 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 he's service animal. I'm sorry. Do you think he'd understand? Me? <laughs> start doing. Someone on heroin, one of those start doing sign language at him. I don't know. <laughs> no, but it's you know it's awkward too because you a should woman get one of those canes that's multicolored. I don't want to look just like an t- asshole. I don't want to also. I don't want to feel. Sometimes yeah. men will make you feel weaker in the mm-hmm. sense that they're just like, "Can I bite your dog?" And I'm like, "No, oh no. My God. he bites. He's for protection." Well, he's like, "Does he bite?" Yes, yes. You can only say that. Does he bite? Yep. No, he literally... The problem with Rigby is that he's not... He's like a... He's meant to be a watchdog, but he Mm -hmm. doesn't protect me because one time this homeless guy was trying to talk to me. He's like, hey, lady, do you have a bike? And Mm -hmm. I was like walking away and Rigby stopped to like try to go run up to him to get pet. And I was like, Rigby, I'm Mm -hmm. going to get attacked. Like, what don't you understand? And he's like, keeps turning back. Like, I want attention. He's and I'm not like, into I don't it. want any attention. That's yeah, why we're yeah, running. Yeah. Well, you see, Rigby has male privilege as a dog. Because he's white. And he's white. Rigby, he's a white male dog. Rigby, no, even though no, he's, no, even he's, though he's gay, he's a gay white male dog. Yeah, he looks like But, um, the, the, so the, back to the, back to the original question. Yeah. The, the most vulnerable I ever felt was around fourth, fifth, sixth grade because I was living with my grandma for the rest of my childhood because my mom really liked crack. Mm-hmm. And um, so my grandma got diagnosed with breast cancer when I was in fourth grade. And my family just sort of fucking disappeared after like week two. So you took care of her. I had to take care of her. I went to school like three days a week for several years. I don't know anything about science really because of that. You're really fucking smart. Yeah, I am. And I'm very proud of it. (laughs) And it was a lot of work and I did it. Yeah. Because I, I didn't go to fucking school, and I refused to be stupid because I knew if I was, nothing good was ever going to happen for me. So I taught myself how to speak, read, and write four languages, and I made a lot of things happen for myself. I, I got myself my own goddamn voice teacher at 11. Wow. I found her. She like she I found her, and then she, like, because she found me at my church, uh-huh. and then she was like, oh, you don't have to pay. You just come here. Wow. So like I was doing voice lessons for like fifteen dollars a lesson. You were making something of yourself. Exactly. Because like, that feel was my really demand. Isolated though. But it was the most isolating time in the world because my grandmother, who is the matriarch of my family, yeah. was dying, and the entire family disappeared to all fucking four corners of the earth. And you're also like how old? Eleven when it began. I was 10 when she got the mammogram. I have like three memories yeah. from when I was 11. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I remember cleaning up Same shit thing. and piss and vomit and memorizing what day's medications went on and going to doctor's appointments and uh, uh, figuring out how to comb a wig and paint eyebrows on somebody who doesn't have any anymore. That was what I was doing because that's what needed to be done in that house. Damn. Yeah. 
So that's the loneliest I ever fucking He'd felt. He'd be a really good event planner. Oh, <laughs> honey, honey. <laughs> light the candles, <laughs> pull the rugs up. Like, I <laughs> call your mother, it's today. <laughs> like, it's always a story. Yeah. Because, like, I just had to take care of everything. Yeah. And it's not that I wanted to. It's not that I had a gift for it. It's that if no, I... No, you're also a kid and you're not going to look at your dying grandma and be like, peace, you also don't have anywhere I, to go. I, I, I have nowhere to go because, okay, okay. You the, don't but because, because at this time in my life, at this time in my life, let me tell you who the adults in my home are. Yeah. Let me spell this out for you lovely, lovely white people listening to this. Okay. So who was in the house when I was uh, 11 years old and my grandmother gets diagnosed with stage two breast cancer for the second time in her life? Mm-hmm. Who are the adults in my house? My grandmother, who's 67 years old, was a receptionist her entire life and... um spent about 600 grand a year of money that wasn't her own because she just didn't know she didn't get she went through all my grandma all my grandpa's money yeah he saved up an entire fortune for her to live nicely on and then give to her children and she died with 50 grand in her bank account so she was reckless definition of reckless self-indulgent self-involved so that's grandma and then my mom is in the house who is mentally... She's in and out. She's in and out. She's okay, in and out. Okay, so I was going to say, you were saying it's really isolating, she, but I want people to know that like it's because like you, it was mostly... Because there's mom. nothing stable. Not, you can nothing have, stable. You can have a bunch of people around you, but if they're not stable and they're not secure, you are totally alone with it. So then the next adult is my mom, who is mentally disabled and has a drug issue, who is in and out depending on where the binges take her and where moods take her. And then the other adult in the house house is my grandmother's ex-husband who came back yeah, wait, can we we have to break this down could we can we pause speed it up no do you, are you gonna say like about your yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay i just wanted to make sure you're gonna, gonna ask me if i'm gonna spill the dirt you're gonna ruin a clean edit to ask me <laughs> if i'm gonna divulge no, information I, no i'm I, Okay. Oh yeah, you know I'm. You always know I'm gonna spill Don't the dirt. Me. You always know I'm gonna spill You'll the dirt. Win. Okay, anyways. But then sorry. the uh, <laughs> the third adult in my house was my grandma's ex-husband, because he came back into the fold when he found out my grandma was sick. She called him and told him because they'd gotten divorced maybe a year or two earlier, so they were still you know I guess felt something for each other, and um, as far as friends, and um, so he came back and so he was living with us, but he was. 23 years younger than my grandmother and my mom had dated him first and my mom might have been sleeping with Wait, him. Wait, say that the, again. Your mom had dated him My mom had him dated first. him first and then my grandma said no, 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 no over here. And then... Um, what was this guy like? What was the guy like? He was um, he was in his late 30s when he married my gra- he was like 38 when he married my grandma and she was 60. He was a professional floral arranger. That was his heterosexual male job, is that he was a florist. And he could never keep a job at a flower shop because he just never got along with anybody. So that was, this was the cal. We're really, we're dealing with the best of the best. There were three that he got fired from. There were three floral shops in Springfield. So he had variety. Just having a bad attitude and being lazy and being late and thinking he ran everything when he didn't. Just, you know, entitled white male behavior. Yeah. You know. Um, and so, yeah, 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 so those were the three adults in my house. We have very, very sick, very, very reckless, uh, drug addict in and out, and then closeted bisexual guy who's working out his mm. mother issues on all of his ex-wives. Mm. 
and I'm just trying to go to fourth grade. I'm really just trying to go to fourth grade. And I got to deal with all that. Yeah. That was the long. How do you do long division? Oh, okay. They're both fucking. Oh, I need to learn. Oh, I need to learn how to tease a wig. Oh, that's more important. Oh, so eyelashes come in strips. Fascinating. Like that, that that was what I needed to know. And like, I did my grandmother's nails every Friday night for like four years. That's so cute. I didn't have friends. I had to do Judy's cuticles. It was like downtown Judy Brown. That's where that comes from. Yes. Downtown yeah. Judy yeah. Brown. Yeah. So like that level of isolation when there's people around you who aren't consistent, who can't help you, and then you just have to deal with everything. Yeah. That's 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 isolation that really, really yeah. sticks with you in the same way everyone who told you to be by yourself thought they were fucking helping you. Right. They were sending you to group therapy. They gave you something to do. They're helping you, and it's the worst thing for you. There's right. people around you. You're all alone. Everyone's giving you resources. You're all the fuck alone. Mm-hmm. So let's let's relate both of our stories to the question of how does um, like how does that compare to the isolation felt in forced isolation, and also being in a different place because we're both in completely I I would say better places. Oh than yeah. Than, as far as the stories go, of, mm-hmm. like when you were 11 and what I'm way better. Like yeah, place. like I like what? the state of Illinois still pays for my health insurance, but it's because I have a job with them, not because I'm poor. <laughs> right. So it's like you know, like things things are better. Yeah. Think, you I, <laughs> I kept my same doctor. I'm singing for you. Um, yeah, no. So for me, I think that um, as far as like going into um, how that feels versus this, this is way better. Oh yeah. Um, I'm making money. And mm-hmm. I, my job sucks, but like I'm making money and yeah. that's fine. Um, I have a dog. Um, I've gone through Same, my job's things. boring, but I'm making money and it's fine. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Right? It's like, so that's how I feel as far as the isolation. It's not that, I think it's more, um, it doesn't feel bad, right? Because everybody's going through. I'm, you're, I'm not alone though, in how alone I am anymore. Exactly. Because everybody <laughs> yeah. in the fucking world, like I'm literally looking outside the view and I'm like, everybody is fucking quarantined. Mm-hmm. And when I was quarantined by choice because I was depressed, I felt like I had nobody because nobody else was fucked. I mean, people who are depressed, yeah, don't, we don't yeah. talk about it, but you know what I'm saying? It's well, like it's not and it's not, d- d- depression is not like a coat you wear to where I can tell that you have a Canada no. goose. Is but that I the expensive that ones? <laughs> But I, which ones? Canada Goose. Go- yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. No, we're not a fan of them, though, because they use, like, real, they, like, kill geese. Anyways. Um, I, but I need but fur. You I'm down I with know. fur. I, knew you were gonna, I, knew I you want were a fur that costs as much as my mother's house. <laughs> I need, like, a $130,000 fur. I really That's do. So I want to bathe in it. Um, so, yeah, I think that um, this is a little bit less isolating because everybody has to go through it. But I do think that if you had, if you developed depression from this isolation, it probably feels like what we did in, in our teenage time. Yeah, yeah, and it probably feels, honestly, a little bit worse just because I think if you're isolated now in quarantine, mm-hmm. you know when you're isolated, when you're depressed and you're like, oh, but I can go out. You can't go out. So yes. it's a self-fulfilling prophecy of like, it's so easily, what's it called? Like, you can enable yourself. Mm-hmm. Oh, COVID. It's the easiest oh, experience. You know what that thought process, when you were describing, like, those steps in your mind, you know what that just reminded me of? It's okay to be agoraphobic. I'm <coughs> sorry. I mean, oh, yeah, that's, it's recommended. It's fine. It's fine. Like, the government said, too. Yeah. Um, just like smoking cigarettes um, back in the day. <laughs> uh, 
Your doc, your doctor recommends Lucky Strikes. Yeah. Um, but like that thought process, yeah, yeah, that thought process that you uh, were describing reminded me of when um, quarantine first hit, and you know when you're sitting at home in the first couple weeks and you're just sort of like bored and you're thinking of things you can do or safe places you can go, yeah. and your brain has that instinctive voice. Oh, there's an open mic down the street. Oh, I know that comedian. Li- oh, I can't do that. Like you have the beginning of the thoughts and then it's just, no, no, no. It's just like it starts and it, it's, it's gone. It's, it's really, it's, it's depressing. Yeah. Yeah. It's more, it's more sad than depressing because depressing. I'm like, I'm depressed, but mm-hmm. it's more sad that it's like, oh, that's, you know what I, you know who I really, oh, and I was going to say before, sorry, before we wrap up, yeah. I just wanted to ask you how, about the question about how the isolation differs. Um, I, th- I think the way the isolation differs for me now is that I feel, um, a little bit more like settled into it. Mm-hmm. Like I sort like I've, I've, I've been, well, you have a groove now. Yeah. Like I've, I've been here, I've been here before and I've been many different versions of here before. Right. So like, um, if, you know, if Donald Trump and Joe Biden and Kamala Harris all sit me down and tell me that I have to move into my basement till 2032, it'll be fine. Yeah, it'll be fine. Um, I think for me, the most isolating thing from quarantine was being hit by a car just because like I actually had to stay inside and mm-hmm. all those things, so I really couldn't go out. Yeah. Um, so that was pretty hard. And then, um, I don't know. My cousin passing away was pretty hard on me. And so yeah. I think like at that for me, I, I isolated for a little bit. As yeah. far as like taking yeah. more time to myself now, it's, it's hard. My cousin died of a heart attack at 33. So for no reason, like it wasn't like he was, um, had some condition. We didn't, we didn't know. We, it was a freak accident. Yeah. That's the best way to put it. But, um, just a terrible thing to happen to a young person. Yeah. And so for me, that was super hard. And then like my brother was this one closest to him and he my brother just got out of jail and it was using heroin and now he's in a sober living home but it's just been a lot and like your brother sounds handsome yeah well he he is handsome but he just lost a few teeth so if you let him grow in it's fine it's fine it's like grass they all it all grow back (laughs) eventually no matter how dead it is (laughs) he no so today i was talking to the sober living home leader who i'm really 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 close with for because my brother had I've known him for nine years, unfortunately. You know, unfortunately, because my brother went there. It's an ongoing relationship till someone gets sober. Right. And, yeah. <laughs> Tell Alan well, you'd love to cut him off. <laughs> I would love no. to never speak Alan to you again, however. Like my dad. So Alan told me he was like, look, like you're now I'm really jealous. Wants, he also didn't. The, the whole point of this was that my brother doesn't want to talk to me. And I think mm-hmm. it's because he doesn't want to get real with me. Mm-hmm. That felt a little bit isolating. Yeah. As far as like, I, I don't, I wanted to talk to him, but I'm like, I. I thought, well, he, it makes sense because he doesn't want to do the work, mm-hmm. but it makes me disappointed that he doesn't want to do the work because this time he seemed a little bit more in tune to wanting to get sober. Yeah. As far as the way that the streets tore him down where he, like he was homeless, so he uh, was in the cold and living in a trailer. And so I think for him, like that was like, okay, now I'm This isn't the North Shore. Yeah. The dryer didn't like that joke at all. Washing the shit off the pillow that Ricky shit. Dryer was very mad. But anyways, no. So you know, for my brother, I think that um, that that isolated me a little bit. But I think um, I'm used to this now. Would you say we're kind of used to this? Whole yeah, lifestyle? yeah. And I think it's we. Inter- we'll go back. And we'll I think we'll be normal. doing it honestly in some form or fashion for the next six months to a year. Yeah, six minimum. months. Six months. Yeah, yeah I say. 
Yeah. All right. Any any last words? Any words out? Uh, um, any like advice to people who might feel isolated during this time? Um, I text me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If, if you feel isolated right now, just remember: if you're gonna feel lonely, feel lonely because there's never been anyone as young and as beautiful as and as special as you. Feel lonely because of how goddamn important you are. If you're gonna feel isolated, have a delusion of grandeur while you're at it. <laughs> Very nice, Matt. You're welcome. Um. I don't really have any words of wisdom for people because it is hard. Yeah. But I do want to say... Um, Put deodorant under your boobs. Oh, that helps a ton. That's a great production. tip just for like life. Yeah, thank you. Just I, like if that you... Was, you stole it right out of my... I, <laughs> we have to end it now. Thank you. Stole the words right out of my mouth. Arm and hammer. Yeah. It's a plug. Um, no, so I think, I think that the best thing to do we is... We are taking sponsorships. Find three things that you can do during quarantine that would make you happy. I think for me, it was planning a vacation, having something to look forward to, um, doing something different at mm-hmm. work, and... Um, I'm trying to recover from a lot of OCD that I'm dealing with right now. Mm-hmm. So for me, those three things, I just name those three things, and that's, those are actually the most significant things yeah. that are on the list, but yeah. I, that's really like on top of mind. Um, those are three things I'm working on. And, and you can do all of them topless. And having three things to work for makes you <laughs> feel... <laughs> you are obsessed with my boobs. I just think it's funny. Um, yeah, so I think... Uh, those three things are what I want to work on, but I'm saying that those three things have nothing to do with isolation, but having a goal yeah. makes me less isolated. It does. Yeah. Right? Because you have something to look for. Yeah, and then there's, some, there's someone else out yes. in the world who wants to do something, and then you have something in common with them. <laughs> like, you know, even if right. it's that fucking small, of you know somebody else who's trying to finish school, who's trying to get a promotion, who's trying to yeah. do anything, we're all working, man. All right. Yeah. Well, you look great. I try. I really try. And for those of you who aren't, you know, once again, in Drew's house where we're recording this right now, she's not lying. Yeah. It's an honest observation. I look like Elizabeth Taylor in the White Diamonds commercial. Mm-hmm. You know that lovely perfume commercial that always comes out around this time of year? I never know your references, but yes. <laughs> if anyone who has cable has seen that perfume commercial. I watch Dr. Phil and nothing else. I, you're, you have... He, he, I don't like him. I like the drama of his I like his wife. She has great plastic surgery. Robin's oh, a good great time. Great plastic surgery. Great retinol cream. Yeah, because she's like 80. <laughs> right? It looks great. Are you kidding? Yeah. What I was, uh, please don't forget to rate, review, subscribe on iTunes. That helps the podcast a lot. The In ways you guys do not understand. Yeah, it really helps. And it you, it takes literally two seconds. You could write great podcasts. Like, literally, that's it. Mm-hmm. Um, so please don't forget to yeah. do that. Um, and thanks so much for listening to Doing Time. Thank you.